0: John chapter 2, you'll have to bear with me with my voice, and I'm going to believe for a miracle that I can get through this without not having a voice. (laughs) I uh, preached one time, and I, I had a cold going into the message, and about halfway through the message, I felt... I don't know if you've ever felt this before, but your throat just kind of sees up. Not good when your job's public speaking. And uh, I recognize real quick, I better wrap up, jump to the conclusion, and call it quits and pray for people. (laughs) That's what we did. And Jesus did more in in an hour of praying for people than 30 minutes of preaching a message. So, John chapter 2 we're going to start our new Wednesday night sermon series, teaching series on the miracles of Jesus. Everyone should have received when you came in a handout if you did not get that handout. Uh, if you want to raise your hand and Jen will get those to you. But I believe everybody got a copy. But anyway, uh, so we're, we're beginning our series tonight on, on the miracles of Jesus. And I am so excited to start this series. We're going to take a look at all of the miracles that Jesus performed, and, and uh, teach on those. And so I hope that you come every Wednesday. This is probably about a 20 or 24 week or so series. It's going to be lengthy. Um, so I hope that you come on Wednesdays and that you bring people with you. All right. Well, I hope that you bring people with you. Now, you have to understand, we just came back from the South, and church in the South is a little bit different than church in the North. In church in the South, people are responsive and expressive, and uh, so we're Southerners at heart. And so uh, we, you can be responsive in church, and you can shout me down, and I won't get offended. I'll, I'll shout with you. But uh, anyway, so I'm excited about this new series, so make sure you bring people with you. And uh, it's going to be a good time. If you know anyone that needs a miracle, uh, it's going to be a great series to be a part of and believe God for a miracle. Amen. So John chapter 2, we're going to get there in a moment. But miracles, so if you got your notes there and you just follow along and I'll teach as we go, but miracles are those acts that only God can perform. Baker's Dictionary of the Bible defines a miracle as an event in the external world brought about by the immediate agency or the simple volition of of God. You know, we, we overuse the term uh, in our culture, supernatural, miracle. All of those terms are so overused that we tend to lose the meaning and the power of what that is. A miracle in its nature is something extraordinary. It's something outside of nature, beyond uh, our natural course of action. For example, we had... Um, Someone that was had a broken foot and couldn't couldn't move their foot, had to have surgery and all of that. They go to the doctor, the doctor says the foot's healed, they don't have to have surgery. That's a miracle. Uh, John chapter 21 verse 25 notes this about Jesus' miracles. He said, Jesus, John said that Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, even the whole world would not... Con- contain or have room for the books that would be written. So we know that, that the Gospels, in their account of Jesus' miracles, uh, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, included the miracles and the works and the ministry of Jesus that were pertinent to our Christianity. But we know that beyond that, there were, there were miracles and things that took place that uh, John said even the, even the books of the world cannot begin to contain all that Jesus did. The miracles of Jesus are the supernatural acts of Jesus. While he lived here on earth, the miracles have been recorded in the Bible by these faithful men. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, and God was with him. And so we know that uh, in, in Luke's account in... no, Sorry. In Luke's account, yep. <laughs> we're playing uh, charades while I preach. I apologize. <laughs> uh, so we know that in Luke's account, in Acts, that Jesus, that Jesus was anointed. He went about healing and doing good. He began to minister, uh, as we find here in John chapter 2. And then Acts uh, chapter 2 and verse 22 says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. So let's take a look in John chapter 2. I love this miracle of Jesus. It's the first miracle of Jesus, and we find Jesus at a wedding feast in John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, "'They have no wine.'" And Jesus said to her, woman, what does that concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And uh, a lot of people in our culture today take that as Jesus being derogatory to his, excuse me, derogatory to his mother. And that was not the case. He was at, it was a term of endearment. Uh, he was not being uh, derogatory. He was being respectful. He was just doing just the opposite. Woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour, my hour has not yet come. And his mother said to his service, whatever he says to you, do it. This is quite. Mary is telling everybody, do whatever he says. I don't care what he says, do, just do it. And so, for those who are Catholics in the room, Mary is sitting in heaven saying, whatever he says, whatever Jesus says, do it. I don't, uh, she's probably not uh, taking much notice of the prayers that are going... That's a Catholic uh, inside thing there. If you're not Catholic, you're clueless of what I'm probably saying. Uh, but we, we're not praying to Mary. We're praying to Jesus. So whatever he says, do, we do. And verse 6 says, "...now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, "'Fill the water pots with water.' And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the, when the guests have well drunk, the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Jesus, I thank you for the miracle of water into wine. Lord, I thank you for your ministry here on this earth. Lord, I just pray that you would help us tonight. Lord, help us tonight to capture the significance of this miracle as it applies to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first thing that I want to take a look at here is this act, this miracle that took place here with Jesus in Cana of Galilee was an unprecedented act. It was something that wasn't seen before. They hadn't seen Jesus perform any miracles. They didn't see any signs or, wonder, signs or wonders. This was the first miracle, the first act of Jesus' ministry. And this is an unprecedented act. It's an unnatural, extraordinary, inevitable, unpredictable, unavoidable event. That interrupts the expected course of events, a force of nature that no one has control over. So what is the, what is the unprecedented act? It's, it is un, an unnatural, extraordinary, inevitable, unpredictable, and unavoidable event. Jesus wants to do an unprecedented act in your life. He wants to work unprecedented, supernatural miracles in your life. Okay, this is where you can be responsive. Okay. God wants to do an unprecedented act in your life. He wants to work a miracle in your life. It's a force of nature that no one has control over, an event which is outside the control of humans and human interference and for which no one can be held responsible and which cannot be prevented. God wants to work a miracle, an unprecedented act in your life. Now, I believe that we've, we've just only begun to see some of those unprecedented acts. You know, when, when you're thirsty, you know, if, you're, if you've ever been really thirsty before, and you, and you get in the house, and you finally get that glass of refreshing water, you're like, yes, I, and you feel refreshed, and you put the glass down. Uh, I, got my, I got my drink of water. But there's more water to be had. There's more water that you can drink of. And sometimes we do that spiritually. We say, yes, I got my drink. Thank you, Lord. This is what we've been waiting for, God. This, we've, we've said we wanted breakthrough in our church. We want miracles in our church. We want Pentecost in our church. And something's finally happened. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Check. And there's an there's a endless supply here. There's there was 120 gallons of water that had just become wine. There's, there's a miraculous supply of supernatural miracles that God has for you and I that we haven't, we, we're not just checking the checkbox. Yeah, we finally can, can uh, say we're Pentecostal. No, 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 that's not what it's about. I don't want to check a checkbox and say, thank you, Lord, I'm a Pentecostal now because I pray in tongues. Thank you, Lord, there's so much more Available to me, then this is just the beginning. Salvation is just the beginning. Praying in the spirit is just the beginning. I have so much more available to me than than just just that experience. There is an infinite supply. There is an infinite. Su- Thank you, Lord Jesus. There is an infinite supply of of God and His miracle-working power in my life. I don't have to stop with just a, a little. Wow, Jesus, that's, that's a, you, you really did something here. That, that wine's the best wine. You saved the best for last. Wow, you really did a great miracle, Jesus. No, I want the whole thing. Give me, give me all six of the water pots, everything. Fill it up, Jesus. I want everything you've got. Unprecedented Acts. Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 20 and 21 says, Now to him who is able, now to now, woo, now to now, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. I'm getting happy up here. I'm going to. Whew, now there is a supernatural. There is us, There is supernatural power resident on the inside of us that God is working in and through us. He wants to do a supernatural work exceedingly abundantly above beyond anything we can ask, think, or imagine. He wants to blow our minds. He's uh, what this. Is, he Paul's being very redundant here. He wants to do abundantly above all that we can ask or think. He's he wants to blow our minds is what he's saying according to the power in proportion to the power that it's working within you and I and I've asked the question before and I'll ask it again how much power is at work within you that is the miracle working power of Jesus that will affect the world around you God I have to have more one drink of, of, of the Holy Ghost won't do I've got to have I've got to have a big old drink I've got I need all six of those water pots and more I need the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life Isaiah 48 Says, You have heard, see all this, and you will not declare it. I have made you hear new things from this time, even hidden things, and you did not know them. They are created now, not from the beginning. Before this day, you have not heard them, lest you should say, Of course I knew them. This is unprecedented acts. That scripture is what that is the core of what an unprecedented acts. You, You didn't know what it was. You didn't think of it. You didn't create it. You hadn't heard of it before. You didn't think of it before. It's all new. It is is supernatural. It's being done now. Amen. I believe this word is a word for the church. This is what God is doing at celebration. He is releasing. He is doing unprecedented acts. He is releasing and doing unprecedented things in our midst. Hallelujah. And so I, I want to receive all that God has for me. I believe, I believe this wholeheartedly, that if you will, if you will plug in... God is doing something supernatural here. If you will plug in and be a part, not a spectator, but a participator in what God is doing in this church, that same unprecedented anointing that's flowing down on our church will flow into your life. I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. Everybody who's plugged in and who's connected and participating with what God is doing, they are seeing unprecedented things in their own lives. And so I would encourage you that God wants to do an unprecedented mirror in your life. The second thing we see here is the lesson that's learned from the miracle and that lesson is this, that we all must be in perfect submission to the will of God. We have to be in perfect submission to God's will. We don't like to submit. We don't like to yield. It's our natural man's, uh, our carnal nature. Wants to rebel. Wants its own way. Doesn't like that. Doesn't want to say, God, I'll yield. It's another word for that is yield. To let let God have his way. We don't like that. We want to be in control. We want to have the last say. We want to have the final word. And uh, here we find Mary Telling all of the servants who are around looking for wine, Jesus, you need to handle this. And Jesus' response, my hour not come. First, my question for, for this whole situation that I, that I notice here, why is Mary concerned about the wine in the first place? Why would, why did, you know, that's just typical mother uh, being in the middle of everybody's business and wanting to be able to tell everybody what to do and involve their son in the middle of it. Um, but, but what... Why was Mary concerned about the wine anyway? There's speculation that maybe this uh, wedding feast was one of Jesus' half-brothers or, or was a relative of theirs, but we don't know, there, there's no clear indication, but we know that Mary had some sort of connection and ability to speak with authority in this situation, and she tells the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now these servants are the second group of people involved with this. It's interesting that Jesus does not work this miracle through his disciples who are with him. Jesus doesn't work this miracle on his own, but he chooses to use the people who were willing and ready to be Uh, used by him who were willing and waiting on his word. The servants could have gone out. They could have went to the market. They could have went to somebody else's house and gotten the wine. They could have found another solution. But no, they stayed put and waited for Jesus' words of what he ought to do, of what they ought to do. They waited for the instruction from, from Jesus. This is what Charles Spurgeon says about waiting and being obedient. True obedience is not always seen in what we do or do not do, but it is manifest in the perfect submission to the will of God. It is the strong resolve that saturates the spirit through and through that what he asks we will do. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.11, let us be diligent to enter his rest. Sometimes we come to Christ and we say, okay, God, what do I have to do to fix this situation? If I'm going to get a miracle, I know I need to do X, Y, Z, A, B, C. And sometimes, just like Mary said to the servants, whatever he says, do it. Sometimes Jesus waits, he pauses and, and waits and says, it's not my hour. When Mary wanted him to act in that immediate moment, Jesus' response is, It's not my hour. And that's sometimes how Jesus' response responds to us in the circumstance. It's not the time. It's not the right time yet. And we wait on his word. We wait on his response and say, Jesus, but I need a miracle. And I I don't know what to do in this situation. I can't fix the situation. I can't heal myself. I can't. And we begin to wait on him and say, Jesus, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. And so sometimes waiting on Jesus is just being obedient enough, like Hebrews 4 says, I'm going to diligently enter the rest of God. I don't have to be busy trying to do it all, fix it all, and be the man or woman of the hour. I'm just going to sit and wait on Jesus. I don't need the recognition. I don't need to be the servant of the year who brings the wine to the master. I'm just going to wait on Jesus. Common mistake number three that we, often mis- that we often make as Christians, Mary said, whatever he says to you, you do it. You do it. Not the pastor, do it. Not your care group leader. Not your small group leader. Not your home. Not you do it. We often look at the pastor. Well, it's your job to evangelize. It's your job to pray. It's, it's the deacons and the board members. They need to do this. Or, or you know, someone's sick in the hospital. Oh, it's, that's the pastor's job to go visit the sick in the hospital. Oh, uh, someone needs prayer. The pastor's going to pray for them. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus' Jesus's command to them was, was there, it was, became their obligation to respond to Jesus' command. Mary said, Whatever he says to you, you do it. As believers, let us not find ourselves. Wanting at the wedding feast like that of the five foolish virgins. We must keep ourselves ready, wicks trimmed and oil supply full, waiting for the instruction and coming of the Master. We cannot depend on the efforts and the resources of others to maintain our own spiritual supply. We must fully receive from the Holy Spirit our daily supply and be ready for Christ's call. You know, there's, there is a wedding day coming Yeah, there is a wedding day coming. Jesus, the Bible says there will be a shout from heaven and the trumpet of God will go forth and the eastern sky will split. And Jesus himself will come from heaven with the shout, the voice of an archangel. There is a wedding day that's coming. We are in preparation mode for a big old wedding feast. I don't know about you, but I want to maintain a full supply of a Holy Ghost oil. I don't want the bridegroom to come. I don't want the master to come and find me like the five foolish virgins that have not been keeping the wicks trimmed and the oil supply full. I have to take personal responsibility for what the master says. I have to take personal responsibility for myself that whatever Jesus says, I must do it. Charles Spurgeon says this, Oh, the murdered resolutions that lie around about most men's lives. What they would have done, what they could have done if they had but done it. But they have been building castles in the air, imagining lives that they would like to lead and not actually doing Christ's commands. Oh, for a prompt, personal, practical service to the Lord Jesus. What the servants could not do you're the servants, they're waiting for Jesus to give the command. And they did what they, did what they could, but there was something that they could not do. They could fill the pots with water. They could fill them to the brim. They could carry them to the appointed place. They could do all things he told them to do, for he never asked men to do the impossible for that power he reserves for himself. It required one thing more, the command that left the lips of divine. It required the miracle touch of God himself. Faith is not intellectual, but spiritual. It is primarily of the heart, not the mind. Genuine scriptural faith is not our ability to count it done, but it is the deep consciousness divinely imparted to our heart that it is already done. This is the faith that only God can give. Hebrews 12 two says, looking, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In that moment where you're looking at your life and the supply is running dry, in that moment when you're looking at those water pots that are full of water and all you need is the wine and you don't have the supply that you think that you need. We wait on Jesus. We wait on his word. We wait for his command. We look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You didn't do it. You didn't create it. You didn't make it. You're not all that you think you are. Jesus is the creator. He's the beginner. He's the one that founded it. He's the one that will finish it. Jesus, I look to you. I can't fix this myself. I can't Make it work on my own. I have to look to you. You will impart the faith. You will complete the faith. And I will see this thing take place. When you're in the middle of that situation, I, I realize what I'm saying is, oh, yes, it's good and oh, it sounds great. But when you're in the middle of the dark day and you're struggling with cancer, or there's those water pots are empty, it's your bank account that's empty, or whatever the situation is, and you begin to look to Jesus. Jesus, you are the author of my faith. This situation didn't. This situation didn't take you by surprise. Even though it may have caught me off guard, it didn't take you by surprise. I fix my eyes on you I'm running the race with you my eyes are fastened on you Jesus and I'm looking to you for the answer I'm looking to you for the result that needs to be brought here we go on and we find there's six water pots the lesson from his abundance I love this he not only gives the necessities of life but he gives them liberally he gives like a king here they are serving up wine at the wedding feast (laughs) <laughs> they're serving up wine at the wedding feast Jesus didn't just say go fill one pot and that's all the wine you get no he said go fill all of the pots and you'll have lavish supply he gives like a king he sustains us with his providence and his provision John 1.16 says and of his fullness everybody say fullness of his fullness we have all received grace for grace this word fullness means fullness abundance completeness having all things necessary to operate or function filled sh- cabroso filled with presence filled with power filled with agency Jesus my friend Jesus this word of God became flesh and dwelt among us John 1.14 and we beheld his glory and of his fullness of his fullness out of his abundance out of his supply out of his greatness out of his presence out of his power out of everything who he is I've received you've received grace for grace. This supernatural power at work in our lives to make us look, to act, to think more like Christ. I receive of his fullness. I drink of Christ. I drink of his presence. I receive from of His abundance. I receive of His abundance. And as I do, He changes me. He shapes me. He molds me. He transforms my life. My Christianity is no longer stagnant. It's active. It's alive. I receive all that He has for me. And I begin to look and take on His nature. The remaining wine, any wine left over, 120 gallons, that's a lot of wine, could be stored And sold, it could be uh, used for years to come. The provision of God. And then number six, the principles involved in the way Jesus performed miracles. Charles Spurgeon says this, he bids to people to do what they cannot do. What does Christ say to the sinner? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Can the man believe? Is he not dead in sin? Ezekiel goes to the valley of dry bones and is commanded to prophesy. Oh, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord, a command to hear, a thing which dry bones cannot do. (laughs) He issues his command to the dead, the dry, the helpless, and by his power, life comes. God does supernaturally. Stretch out your hand to the withered man. The man with the withered hand couldn't stretch out his hand. Oh, but when the words from Jesus left his lips, stretch out your hand, that man could stretch out his hand and it was made whole. When when Jesus spoke to the to the water, to regarding the water pots, go fill them with water, go fill them to the brim, go bring a cup to the master, go bring the wine. When he spoke, when the words left, there, my friend, there are things that you and I can do do in our natural man and we'll find ourselves still wanting the supernatural. We'll find ourselves wanting the miracle still. But when we yield to the words of Jesus, when we look to Jesus, when we receive of his fullness, when Jesus says, when Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. There is Lazarus coming out of the grave. When when the words, when the command of Jesus leaves his lips and and imparts into our lives that supernatural, dunamis, miracle working power, it's then that the miracle transpires. It's then when we receive, just like the little boy, he begins to use ordinary vessels. The little boy with his fish and his loaves, he, he has just a little bit just a little bit. That can't feed 5,000 men plus women and children. That that little lunch, oh, but in the hands of Jesus, when he takes it and gives thanks, when when the words of Jesus, thank you, Father, for blessing this meal and multiplying it for the people, he begins to break it, and it begins to multiply supernaturally. And many thousands are fed. The widow and her oil, Elisha, goes to the woman. God takes delight in using the ordinary. Elisha goes to the, to the, to the woman, the widow woman who is in debt and they're coming. The tax collectors are coming after her son. They're ready to put her son in jail and make him work. And Elisha says, what do you have in the house? And he says, I have a little bit of oil, a little bit of flour. I'm going to, I'm going to make a cake. I'm going to make some bread we're going to go die. Elijah says, I want you to go to every neighbor's house. I want you to get every vessel, every empty container you can find. I want you to get it. Bring it to your house. Begin to pour out the oil. And as you begin to pour out the oil, see what God will do. And he goes and he begins to pour out the oil. Friend, I tell you, all you and I have to do is take the word of the Lord. And when he says, pour out the oil, you find every vessel you can pour the oil into. That, that oil supply lasted for every container that she had. Man, I, I say that in service. I can preach to the same 200 faces every week, or we can bring in vessels who are empty and hungry and you can begin to minister to them. Hey, you can even jump in the baptismal pool and baptize them yourself. I'll cheer you on. Thank you, Jesus. Go. Go win the loss. Go baptize them. Come to the altar with them. Lay hands on them. See them baptized in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Spirit. See their See them healed. That's awesome. Find every vessel. Go find every vessel that's empty and begin to pour out your oil. Go go find, yes. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Give us eyes to see the empty vessels around us. Yes, Holy Spirit. Give us, give us supernatural eyes to see the empty vessels that are around us, that are hurting, that are broken. Broken cisterns that need the mending touch of the love of Jesus. Lord, to help us to see. Help us to see the broken, broken, empty Vessels around us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He begins to take the ordinary vessels and does something supernatural with them. Stephen love the love the life of Stephen. Stephen was an ordinary guy. He was, a, he was a deacon. He was serving tables. He was what do deacons do? They wait on people, they take care of the pastoral care needs of the church. That's what they do. That's what the, and they operate in signs and wonders. That was a qualification. They got to be full of the spirit, full of wisdom. And every single one of them operated in signs and wonders. So much so it got Stephen killed. That's what got Stephen killed was he was, he was going from table to table. Oh, say, hey, hey, Bob, you got a broken knee. Let's pray for that. You eat and I'll take care of your knee. And praying and supernatural signs and wonders began to take place. And he'd preach as he's waiting on tables. He's taking care of people. Hey, you got a bad knee. Let's take care of that. And let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about. What Jesus has done in my life. And he began to minister to the people. And as he did, he was stoned to death for it. He was killed for it. A simple life, ordinary life. Nobody would even think twice about Stephen. Stephen's a nobody, but he happened to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He happened to be faithful to what God had called him to do. And all of a sudden, God says, he's the man. And he begins to step forward and rise up in the the ministry that God had called him to. And he affects Saul. The Bible says that Saul was standing in the distance of, of Stephen's stoning. He watched as Stephen was stoned. The stoners laid their garments at Saul's... At Saul's feet as they stone Stephen. And we find later that, that Paul, Saul, became Paul. Paul took up the ministry that he had seen. He preached the same message. If you look at Paul's ministry, he preached the same message that Stephen was preaching to those people as he waited on the tables. Oh, an ordinary life. Oh, you don't have to have the microphone. You don't have to be on the stage. You don't have to have your name and life. Just be a vessel that Jesus can use. Just be, just be a Servant. Just, oh God, give us servants who will just be fastening their eyes, waiting for the words of Jesus. Jesus, what are you saying? Jesus, what are you speaking over my life? What miracle do you want to do today? What water pot do you want to fill today? Jesus, who, who do I need to give a carabasso, my What Who do I need to give a drink of, of this new wine to today? Just show me somebody, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And then, of course, Jesus in the stable. (laughs) Just an ordinary vessel. Just an ordinary vessel. Nobody would have thought twice about the the animal carrier, the, the manger, the animal trough, you know, people eating. Nobody would have thought, oh, we're looking for a coming king. He's going to be born in a palace. No, Jesus. Jesus, an ordinary, ordinary vessel became the container that the that God used to bring the savior of the world. God, he's not looking for perfect vessels. He's not looking for vessels of honor. Oh no, he's, he's looking for yielded vessels, vessels that, that are ordinary, vessels like you and I who say, God, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. You, it, we may end up with animals in our feeding trough. We may end up with stinky shepherds coming from all over and, and who haven't had a shower or a bath. We may end up with wise men from Asia coming. I don't, Care, whatever it means, Jesus. It may mean that Herod's out to kill me. It may, I don't know, I don't know what it looks like, but I just, Jesus, I just want to be a vessel. I just want to be used. I just want to be like one of those servants that are waiting for the words of Jesus. Then they filled the water pots to the brim. Oh, my friend, (laughs) there are, as we said, there are empty vessels all around us. There are empty vessels. There are empty people. There are broken people all around us. Are you filling their lives to the brim? Are you just... Giving them a little cup full. God bless you. Have have a good day. Oh, but but when we minister, when we love on them, let us us minister as Christ did and fill their lives to the brim. That when we leave their life, when, when we've stepped out of their life for whatever season it might be, they can say, my life was filled with something supernatural. My life was filled with the new wine of the Holy Ghost as a result of their ministry. We had an opportunity, of course, you all know we were on vacation while we were in New Orleans. We had an opportunity to see some of the folks that we ministered to. Oh, what a, what a legacy. Oh, what a testimony to be able to see people that you've poured oil in, you've poured the wine in, you've ministered to, and see their lives to the brim, to see their lives full of the Holy Spirit, to see their lives saturated with the things of God. Oh, we ought to live a life. We need to live a life. I, I look back on years of ministry. I look back on people's lives that God's placed in my path, that people who are still in ministry today, people who are living for Christ today. God, help us. God, help us. Just one word. Just one word. I remember one particular person. I was working at our district office in Illinois, at the AG district office, I, and I, where I worked was an hour from where I lived. I'd have to travel every day. I remember this one particular guy. Uh, during the week, I would go to the church that was there by the district office because I didn't have time to make it for church back home. And so I remember this one guy who was, at the time, he was probably about 16 or 17. And I would, I just would be Jesus. I just love it. He would go to the church there, didn't know much about him, began to learn his story. Hey, why don't we go hang out? Let's, you know, see what God's going to do in your life. Begin to talk and began to disciple him. Begin to walk him through just Christianity 101. He had never had a godly man in his life walk through just basic Christianity. And today he, he, Graduated high school. He went, in, he went through Master's Commission. Graduated from Rockford Master's Commission. Went on into ministry. He's in ministry today. Thank you, Jesus. You never know. Those just simple words. If you just take the time to listen, to say, God, who is it? Who is, who's the vessel? Who have you placed in my life? Help me to fill their life with the wine that you filled me with. These six water pots, the number six is the number for man. It's a number for man. And so we see six. So it's a, it's a, a prophetic symbol of, of our lives. It's a prophetic symbol. These water pots are a prophetic symbol of our lives. And there were six of them. There is 120 gallons represented here. On the day of Pentecost, there were 120 people. They were filled with the new wine of the Holy Ghost. There are 120. Lord, fill us. It's prophetic. God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. These pots have been used for washing. These weren't wine pots. They were Stone pots. They were there for ceremonial washing. They had washed their hands and their feet. They had been used to wash the table. Not only did Jesus change the water into wine, he changed the dirty water into wine. This was there for the washing and purification purposes. These pots had never contained the wine. Again, it's a great picture, prophetic picture of what Christ wants to do in our life. He washes us with the regeneration of the Holy Ghost. He washes us with the water of the Word. He fills our lives with the salvation, the water living waters of salvation and then he transforms us into spirit filled believers who are walking in the power of the Holy Ghost who are affecting those around us the Bible says in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. You shall be my witnesses. The, the water pots were filled with wine so that somebody could take a drink out of it. You are filled with Holy Spirit Spirit power so somebody can take a drink out of you. You're not sitting there soaking in the wine. Those, those stone pots couldn't, the, the stone pot, here's the thing about stone with the wine, they wouldn't contain the flavor. They can't, they can't hold the, the aromas and the fragrance and the, and the, the, uh, the grapes and all of that. It. So it had, they had to go somewhere. It had to be drank out of. It had to be uh, used up because the, the stone pots couldn't be used to contain the wine. They were there for water. And then lastly, his miracle, his first miracle is a great picture of the last miracle. This great miracle of the wedding feast that's coming. The, the first miracle of Jesus was a picture of the wedding feast that's coming. Oh yeah, my friend, there is a, there is a wedding feast that's coming. There is, a, there is a wedding day. The wedding bells are getting ready to chime. There is a day where Jesus... And his bride are going to be united. There's a day where you and I are going to stand together with Jesus and be united with him. Song of Solomon, I quoted this a couple weeks ago. I love this. Let him kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. For your love is better than wine because of the fragrance of your good ointments. Your name is ointment poured forth. Revelation says this about that wedding feast. In Revelation chapter 19 it says, And I heard, as it were, the voice, grace, why don't you come up. Grace is fine. Just grace is fine. And I I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of the mighty thundering saying, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Are you ready for the wedding feast? Are you ready for the day where we'll be clothed with fine linen? It says, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said, you know, that just. Just pause right there. You and I, ha- the Bible says that our righteousness is that of filthy rags. Oh, the righteous acts of the saints. Anything righteous that comes out of us, anything righteous is, is the acts of Christ in and through us. And so, this, 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 us being clothed with this fine linen is Jesus seeing himself in us. We're Jesus looking at us, seeing this fine linen, us being clothed with this linen is Jesus looking at us and seeing himself and then he said to me right blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb and he said to me these are the true sayings of God now I saw heaven opened and behold the white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and his his righteousness he judges and makes war his eyes were like a flame of fire and his head were many crowns he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth, verse 15 says, Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. And he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. I don't know about you, my friend, but Jesus... Stepping into the wedding feast. Oh, what, what a picture of, of the wedding day that's coming. What a, what a picture for Jesus to be invited to this wedding feast, this wedding celebration. What a, what a picture of the invitation that's extended to each of us to join in in the wedding feast. And a, an invitation's been extended to you and I for, for us to come and be a part. And while, while we're partaking of the wedding feast, we have the opportunity to drink from the water pots of the new wine of the Holy Ghost. We don't have to wait. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to enjoy the festivities. Oh, the, fe- the festivities will be wild. If heaven won't, I tell you. It just said it, thunderings sound of voices sound thunderings i don't know i love the storms i love hearing the thunder and the storms i love i love the wind and the the tornadoes and the hurricanes i love all of that i think it's so awesome to see the to see the power and this this is this is the sound of heaven the sound of thunder the sound of many voices the sound of many waters i don't know if you've ever stood next to a waterfall and the roar you can hear of a waterfall the roar you can hear for for miles away that that my friends the sound of heaven heaven's not a quiet place oh it will be eruptive why do why do we say why do we say you can be responsive and have a good time in church and shout and have it because I'm telling you this is just this is just getting you ready for what heaven will sound like we're just we're just getting you we're just getting you ready for game day we're just we're just getting ready getting you ready for the feast day we've we've heard the sound <laughs> we've we've stepped in and heard the sound we know oh we know what's coming there's a there's a roar <laughs> there's a roar there are times when I've been preaching and ministering where the roar you the, the roar of the people was so intense that and the laughter and the joy and the and the intensity of the presence of God and all you can do is just stand there it's like trying to trying to to preach and a tornado is coming right by your house it's impossible it's impossible and I think that's just minuscule sound that's just that's not even that's not even what, even what, even what, he, what, heaven, heaven. That's not even. That's not even close. that sound like? Then, of course, I have to think. What kind of, what kind of wine? You know, you've. I'm just gonna be natural here for a moment. You go, you go to. Live being in New Orleans, you go out on the, Jackson Square area, the French Quarter area. We were just there. You walk around just for a couple seconds, and you can see the and hear. The roar of revelry and the effects of intoxication it doesn't take long to walk the streets and you find the effects of those intoxicated so I have to think what kind of wine must Jesus be serving <laughs> it causes people to lose their inhibition so much that there is <laughs> such a noise because you all know, I, I, now I know you all are getting nervous because I'm talking about wine in church. I ain't talking about that kind of wine I'm talking about the wine of the Holy Spirit. You know we sit in church and we, we, we're, we're quiet you know we're, we we sing songs about how marvelous how wonderful is my Savior's love for me and we can barely muster Marvelous, how wonderful. Oh, so it makes me wonder what, what what kind of intoxicating effects the wine of the Holy Spirit must have to get us out of out of our natural, out of our carnal, just humdrum Christianity and bring us into a place of rejoicing and joy and excitement. Why are Heather and I excited? Why are we full of joy? Why, why do we so? It's not just because we're Southern. I joke about that. It's not just because we're Southern. No, it's we got something on the inside of us. We've got resurrection power bubbling up on inside of me I can't help but shout can't help but get excited why don't you stand with me thank you Lord thank you Lord right, if we can dim the house lights that would be great thank you Jesus Lord we want to be those water pots that you fill up to. Lord I don't want to just be to the brim I want to be overflowing Lord, I want to be poured out like they were doing uh, on the last and the great day of the feast. Those same water pots were being poured out and Jesus, you stood up and said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Lord, I, I want to be poured out and filled up again and again. Lord, help us. Give us that desire, burning desire in our hearts, Lord, to be poured out and filled up poured out and filled up.